Hey, I know you're probably driving or running or cleaning the house or doing something else when you're listening to this, but look, if you're a B2B marketer and you need to start generating revenue from your marketing, then you have to check out our 12-week program, the B2B Incubator. It's built for small, in-house B2B marketing teams with limited time and budget. We give you the strategy, the templates, and the tools to start driving revenue, not just leads. So if you're ready to act on all the advice Kevin and I give you, next time you take that first sip of coffee in the morning, make sure you head to the B2B Incubator and apply now. There's only 10 spots available per cohort with our next one launching at the end of May, 2024. Remember, the B2B Incubator, apply now so you don't miss out. We've had B2B marketing managers, CMOs, marketers in demand generals, content leads, and more all go through this program and they're currently executing the demand strategies that they've created. Some are now even contributing as much as 80% of the pipeline to their business after working through it. Make sure you check out the b2bincubator.com and apply now to start driving more demand and more revenue for your brand. Okay, let's get on with the show. Welcome to the B2B Playbook Podcast. Each week, we discuss strategies and tactics to help B2B businesses grow online. We're your hosts, Kevin and George, a couple of digital marketing professionals. We've waded through the noise and made the mistakes so you don't have to. The B2B world has changed and you need to put your customers at the heart of your marketing. We'll cover how you can use our framework, the five Bs, to create a brand that customers are ready to buy from, love and advocate for. We'll get insights from successful people in the industry and cover the latest trends to keep you on the cutting edge of the B2B world. If you're interested in B2B marketing strategies and tactics that work, then this podcast is for you. Subscribe to get the latest from the B2B playbook first. Remember, successful B2B marketing starts with the buyer. Welcome back to the B2B playbook. Listeners, we are continuing the analysis series. We're at the end of season three, and we're doing an analysis of companies big and small to see practical examples of Be Seen. And as part of that, naturally, Kevin, we're also going to be look at how Be Ready and Be Helpful are being applied to these businesses. Kevin, you'll notice that I didn't open by talking about something that happened to me this weekend or giving a pointless, useless anecdote. I actually provided a bit of a hook. First up, so hopefully our listeners aren't turned off by my random ramblings. I imagine this is because of your recent survey on LinkedIn, George. Yeah, the results are in, Kevin. So I asked our dear listeners who are also following us on LinkedIn, should I cut the crap at the beginning of the podcast and just jump into the meat of the content? Now, the people have voted, they have spoken, and Kevin, actually, you know what? Uh, Of the votes, we actually had 60% say, no, I like your anecdotes. 20% say, yes, skip them, they're boring. And 20% saying, I just fast forward through it. So the anecdotes win, but I think it's actually probably good feedback, Kevin, in that when we start these episodes, we should start with a bit of a hook just so people know that what is described in the title uh, is something that we're actually going to talk about. And I'm not just going to be rambling and people don't have to wait five, six, seven minutes to hear what we're going to talk about this episode. Well, that's great feedback, George. And thanks listeners for contributing to that survey. It helps us make our content better and we'll definitely start with a hook. Um, but George, maybe maybe we just need to up our story game. <laughs> maybe we need to tell more interesting stories and tell them a little quicker. 
and get to the meat of the episode a little quicker too. Yeah, I'll take that as a personal attack because it's mostly me telling the stories. So thank you, Kevin. (laughs) What a lovely way to start this conversation today. Anyway, listeners, you're here with George and unfortunately Kevin. But anyway, we're talking about Paper Turn. Paper Turn is the company that we've chosen to pick on for this episode. And we are going to limit our analysis again, Kevin, to what we can see on LinkedIn as a channel. We're going to be looking mostly at their paid activity, but also their organic activity. Lift the hood, have a look at what's going on, and really look to examine whether we feel that they are applying the first three Bs in our five Bs framework. Those are the three Bs that we think are the non-negotiables, the ones that are really important for building sustainable growth. And we're going to go and have a look and see, are they doing their marketing in a way that we would recommend to our listeners? So hopefully it gives you guys a bit more of a practical insight as to what Kevin and I think looks great when it comes to applying these principles. Listeners, we will say that Paperturn looks to be a fairly small business and they probably have limited resources, which in some ways is great for you guys because uh, hopefully for our listeners, a lot of you guys are in that same space at the earlier stage in your B2B marketing journey, just like Paper Turn, and hopefully there's a lot to pick up in this episode for you. But keep that in mind, they're obviously not gonna be as polished and well-resourced as some of the other examples we've spoken about so far in this analysis series. So don't hold that against them. All right, George, to kick off, why don't you give our listeners a quick overview of what Paper Turn does? Yeah, sure, Kev. So Paper Turn, they convert PDFs into an online interactive flipbook. So your normal boring PDF, that can become something really interactive. Um, they also help people who are normally create like physical brochures, they turn that into a digital version. Kev, I want to kick off by looking at, well, do Paper Turn really deeply understand who their customers are? So to look into this one, Kev, we had to dig around both their ads, what their organic activity was like, and what they have on their website. And from what I can see, Kev, is there's very clearly defined segments in their advertising and on their website. They list it really, really clearly. So some of their segments are real estate, uh, schools, so schools who normally have physical brochures, they want to have some digital ones, uh, brochures for sports teams. Um, for agencies as well, who are helping other businesses get collateral together. So they have all these segments really, really well defined on their website. And they actually have that matched up to their advertising as well. So the ads that they're running on LinkedIn speak individually to each of these segments. So well done there. And it looks like George on their website that each of these segments have a landing page with specific social proof and testimonials from that particular segment. So again, it's showing that they have very clearly defined segments and that's a good place to start to show that they have a deep understanding of who their dream customers are. That's it, Kevin. I'd say within their advertising on their landing page, they do quite well to list the benefits that are directly related to each of those segments. So for example, um, for schools, that want to turn their physical brochures into digital ones, they'll say things like, you know, market your school's best assets or captivate parents by providing them with interactive curriculum information. So they've done really well there to point out the benefits specific to that segment and not just leave it at something quite generic, which is really, really important when it comes to benefits because, I mean, you want that dream customer to very clearly see and feel that benefit. 
But something that we both saw when we were looking through uh, the website and also through the ads on LinkedIn for Paper Turn, we really centered on this question of how deeply do they understand each of these segments then? It's obvious from their website, from the ads, that they do have a clear understanding of the segments, um, but how deeply do they understand each of these segments in and of themselves? Yeah, Kev, this one's not really that clear. I mean, they're a relatively small company. I see they're at about roughly 17 employees. They're targeting a handful of different segments, and I think that would probably make it quite hard at the stage they're at to go really deep into each of these because they're going to have limited resources. So within these segments, I would say, to me, it is quite obvious that they don't know exactly who it is that they're talking to, or it doesn't seem to be the case that it's very much targeted at certain people within organizations. Yes, it might be targeted towards schools, but who are they talking to at schools? Who is in that buying committee? Who is looking for a product like this within schools? Who could really use it? Same thing when it comes to uh, targeting agencies or targeting people in real estate. So I think they might need to go a little bit deeper into understanding the buying committee. Now, listeners, as you know, the buying committee is extremely important when you're in B2B marketing. It's about looking at who is involved in the decision-making process. So whenever someone is looking to buy your product or service, it's not just one person that you need to engage from that business. There's normally four main roles, and that's the decision maker, the person who says yes or no. They normally hold the purse strings. There's the influencer, the one who influences the decision maker. There's the champion. They're often the end user of your product. And there's the blocker, and that's the person who doesn't want to change the status quo and doesn't want to adopt your product or services. And I just don't quite see, Kev, them having that information clearly defined and I don't see them talking specifically to each of them in their advertising. I would tend to agree, George. Uh, I got a similar feeling uh, looking through the advertisements as well. And as you said, it's probably a symptom of the fact that they're a relatively small company. They probably have limited resources. Maybe one or two of that team is looking after marketing and producing the content around the business. So it is difficult to get to that level of granularity and be very specific in talking to specific people within a buying committee within a particular segment that they're targeting. I mean, we've listed maybe three or four segments uh, immediately off their website, and then for each of those, they would then need to talk to four different people or roles or sets of people that play different roles within that business that form the buying committee for each of those segments. Uh, So you're looking at 15, 20 people that you need to talk to or profiles that you need to talk to. And it's very hard to produce that amount of content with 17 people on the team, obviously. That's probably something to keep in mind for paper turn going forward. Maybe they need to just focus on a segment, um, a quarter maybe, and really hone in on uh, what does that buying community look like for a particular segment. Um, We've talked about the 80-20 rule. Maybe they can apply that to look at to pick the segment that they should focus on first and then start digging in one at a time and go through the segments in a little bit more detail. Yeah, I tend to agree, Kevin, without knowing the nitty gritty of, you know, how this company is going, what their results are like, I would tend to agree that if you have limited resources, do your 80-20, look at which of those segments are performing best, which ones do you have the most product market fit with, which ones do you have the most potential to grow with, and really try and narrow down and go very deep on that rather than lighter 
across, you know, five or 10. Well, George, looking at the ads specifically as well, I think there are, again, those references to the segments that we've been talking about. Uh, for example, one ad reads, interactive online brochures for hotels. Give your hotel documents the wow factor they deserve, and then list some of the benefits uh, that is specific to paper form for hotels. It's using those points and adapting it to that particular segment and adapting the messaging accordingly. But again, it comes back to that point of, uh, it doesn't seem to go deep enough into that understanding of that particular segment for hotels. Which of those roles in the buying community are they talking to? Should they perhaps lead with some of those pain points uh, if they understand them for the hotel segment? That's the sort of stuff that indicates that they probably have that deep understanding of a specific segment as well. All right, folks, quick breather here. In my time in B2B marketing, generally I've come to realize that there are just certain tools that can be an absolute game changer. And that's why I'm really excited to talk about Leadfeeder. Uh, it's a tool that helps you cut through the data and turn those website visitors into solid leads and opportunities for your business. Leadfeeder shows you which companies are checking out your site, tracking their behavior, and it integrates all of this with your CRM. And the result is it's basically like a secret weapon for targeted lead engagement, and it really makes it easier for your team to convert website traffic into sales. Head to leadfeeder.com, give it a free demo, and you'll also get a free extended premium trial when you let the rep know that you found out about Leadfeeder through the B2B Playbook podcast. That's leadfeeder.com. Okay, check it out. Back to the show. Yeah, I mean, look, at least the ad directly speaks to the segment and the visuals that accompany it um, are all hotel related. It shows the product being used in that hotel context, which is excellent. So points for that. But again, yeah, I'm not fully convinced, Kev, that they have that real understanding of the buying committee within the hotels, or at least if they do, that's not coming across in their digital advertising at the moment. I always reckon, Kev, that a great test is could you create a meme for that segment that people would find funny? If you can, then I think you have a pretty good understanding of their pain points. I'm not saying that you should be running memes as ads. I've seen some people do it. It can work, but sometimes I think your brain can get a little lost in it. Uh, but I'm just saying that is normally a good test of if you have an understanding of that, of that particular segment and their pain points. Definitely a good test, George. Uh, if you're comfortable enough and know enough to crack a joke for a particular segment, then that is a very good sign that you know that segment. So in summary, our listeners, we do think that um, Pepper Turner is doing a good job at starting to clearly identify and define their segments for their product and who they're talking to. Um, but within those segments, um, they probably have to do a little bit more work to hone in on each particular segment, what the buying committee looks like within each particular segment and how they can tailor their messaging and the communications and ads to particular roles within that buying committee for each segment in turn. And we mentioned also the caveat that as they are a small team, Paper Turn probably doesn't have the resources to cover all those different segments, all the different buying committees within those segments right off the bat. So they do potentially need to look at applying the 80-20 rule to pick out a segment to focus on. Um, but one possible caveat here that we would put in is that again, we're judging based on what we can see. So it's quite possible that much of that process of talking to more specific people within a segment 
is done through a more sales-led process and the conversations and pain points discussion come within that sales process. So it becomes much clearer in later stage conversations with potential dream customers. And as well, Paper Turn might also have a lot of that knowledge and experience from employees about specific segments that they wanna showcase within those later stage conversations and just haven't gotten to surfacing some of that in the limited ad space that they do have and potentially can afford to run. We do hope that they're actively moving towards obviously becoming more targeted in conversations following these ads if they're not doing that already and as well bring some of that targeting into the ads themselves going forward because we think that will really help them hone in on uh, the best opportunities they have in front of them, particularly for a small team with limited resources. It's a good point, Kev, and I'll add that even though they might be sales-led, it's still really important for the marketing team to support sales as much as possible, not just in sales enablement activities, but taking on that responsibility of trying to educate your dream customers about the product, about the category that they're playing in, about the benefits. I think that the, the team is doing that in terms of the benefits, but I think there's even more potential to do that in terms of the product. You know, what what does it look like? What what does it feel like? Uh, so then the sales team don't have to do that heavy lifting at their end. And it definitely minimizes the possibility or the risk of having that issue with sales alignment. Marketing sales teams not aligning on who they're bringing in as leads and who then goes into the sales-led process. All right, listeners, so that's how we see Paper Turn doing in terms of deeply understanding each of the segments. The next thing we like to consider is, do the ads cover the five stages of awareness? Yep, of course, the five stages of awareness, the five stages that a potential buyer goes from being unaware that they even have a problem to making the, the obvious conclusion that your product is the right product or service to uh, fix whatever pain it is that they're experiencing. So just browsing through Paper Turns ads, Kev, I dug up one which kind of fixed the unaware slash problem aware stage. So stages one and two out of five. And the role here is to really make people realize that they have a problem to begin with and then to start to flesh out what some of those problems look like and tease out what the pain points are. So there's one ad, Kev, that reads, avoid printing costs and reach students and parents worldwide with just a few clicks, create interactive and engaging school prospectuses, handbooks, admission guides, and more. So we're very clearly targeting the school category here. In big clear text, it says interactive digital brochures for schools. The mock-ups in the background are of school brochures. So it's all very clearly targeted towards that segment. The problem that they are touching on here, the main pain point, is printing costs for schools. Now, Kev, while they mention this pain, I would love for them to flesh that out more and to make us feel that pain. Printing costs are obviously big for schools. They must be very high. So I would love for them to really dive into that and dig into it. You know, maybe give us a stat. On average, how much do schools spend on physical brochures? You know, how much of those just end up in the trash? What impact do they have? Can they track the impact of them? How much are they hurting the environment? This topic is actually ripe for a great snackable story, Kev, that can really grab people's attention, make them feel the pain, and start to drive them to explore potential solutions to that pain. It is certainly a big pain point that I agree with you, George. It can be made to have a lot more impact than it has been in this case. You know, there is a video that goes along with this particular ad 
which as we know at the moment, uh, video formats are a bit more eye-catching. But as you said, that tagline, it doesn't really hone in on that pain point enough. It doesn't draw out a lot of the emotive side of what potentially could be a very strong story as an introduction to the paper turn brand. Uh, so definitely an opportunity to increase the snackability and how strong a hook that ad is. Just on the ads, Kev, they're quite good at using social proof in it. Um, they're always very good to include, uh, I guess, well-known brands that are using their product already, which is awesome for social proof, particularly if they're going after other brands that fit within that category. The ads actually always look pretty refined too, which I think is quite important for this brand since it's all about presentation. You and I often advocate for organic ads because they can get a lot of cut through. But just a quick reminder that that might, always, that might not always be right for your business. It is ultimately about what is right for your dream customer. Obviously for the dream customer here, they want a polished product. That's why they're coming to someone like PaperTurn. It's a great point, George. Every business has a different need or market to service. Um, so make sure that whatever we're talking about on the podcast, you're really seeing it as a framework to adapt to your own business that you're trying to apply it to. In this particular case with Paper Turn, although we often advocate for that more organic looking ad that's quick to launch, for them, it's obviously not the right play because their whole brand is really centered around being refined. So if their ads aren't looking refined, that really takes away a bit of that trust that you're trying to build with their potential audience. George, I see that you've also honed in and highlighted a solutions aware ad. Do you want to take us through that one? Yeah, sure. This is another one that they did for the school segment. Um, on it, it says create interactive school brochures. And then underneath that main text, it has a little tick saying green and sustainable and WCAG 2.1 compliant. Now, this stage of awareness, you want to start exploring potential solutions to the problem. So the dream customer has got here, they've realized that there are problems. And now the point of the content is to start exploring different solutions to that. This ad does that to a degree. It notes that, you know, it's good for the environment, it's a more sustainable solution than printing brochures, that it's compliant with certain industry standards, uh, which is excellent. And it also starts to highlight a few features of the product itself, like the fact that it's uh, responsive, so it displays well on both desktop and mobile, that it has an easy intuitive interface, that they have 24-7 customer support. So they are starting to explore the solution itself in a little bit more detail. The CTAs, the call to action at the bottom, also leads to highly tailored landing pages, again, which is all about schools because this ad is about schools. So definitely points for that. They've done really well there. And the main text, Kevin, says, create beautiful campus guides, newsletters, reports, student handbooks, and more in minutes with Paper Turns online flipbook system. So it really is speaking to the use cases for that school segment, which, which is excellent. Yeah, all these things are very relevant to the solutions aware stage. Um, so they're really hitting that stage well with this particular ad. Um, as George mentioned, it's hitting all the solutions and benefits that come with 
the paper term product, highlights things that are obviously important to that particular segment who are aware of the solution, uh, but are looking for the one that suits them the best. And generally something that we've noticed is that paper term do quite a good job in their ads from the perspective of setting expectations about what the product will look like once you start using it. So there's a lot of different screenshots and videos of what the product will look like once you're in it and what the end product will look like. And that makes it very easy for people to see what the product is and how to actually use it and what that experience will be like. And there's even industry specific demos on each of the pages on their landing page, which some of the ads take the viewers to. So that's another great thing to do at the solutions aware stage, making sure that anyone who's seen your ads, they're probably aware of the problem. They're probably aware that you're a possible solution and it's a process of educating them on what the look and feel of the product really is and what they can expect when they get on board with the product. So listeners, in this example of the school segment, it seems that it is a very good solutions aware ad for that particular segment. But George, we've noticed something, uh, haven't we? we? We haven't really seen much more beyond, uh, beyond this segment or maybe one other segment in terms of the ads that actually cover all five stages of awareness, have we? No, Kevin, I think that they've probably tried to go after a few too many segments all at once here, spread themselves a little thin. You know, they're obviously not a huge team and they're doing a decent job of communicating benefits across each of their ads, but they could definitely integrate more education and entertainment. And that education and entertainment, as we've seen from our analysis series, looking at monday.com, their education was really heavily centered around uh, educating people on the monday.com platform, what it looked like and what they could get out of it. On the Dream Data side, it was much more about the category itself and then how Dream Data could be a solution to uh, problems that are happening in that particular category that they operate in. So I'd love to see Paper Turn hit some pain points a bit harder and really drive this product as a need more than a nice to have. You know, really look into exactly what problem is this product solving? Why is this the perfect solution to that problem? It's not enough just to mention this in passing. You know, people have so many different competing priorities. You have to really make people feel that pain if they're going to act on your product or service. So I think that they're sort of touching on the pains, but I would love to see them go very deep into it. Yes, George, I agree with you on that. In terms of the five stages of awareness, I do think that they're probably lacking a little bit of the content that's more suited to the early stages where they're really hitting home those pain points, as you said, and bring out the emotive side of that story. I'd also like to see them deliver a little bit more value in the feed. Um, so you talked about educating. Maybe they should be pushing a little bit more in terms of case studies as well, uh, in terms of educating the potential dream customers as part of that product aware stage. So sure, they can do a little bit more of education in the earlier stages, but they can also do a little bit more in the later stages where someone might be product aware, but they're just waiting for a bit of social proof for a little bit more real world use cases to convince them that this will work for them too. In this case, case studies will be a great way to do that. Um, showing something like Hilton or Disney and how they're using it, that is great. Um, but why did they use it? You know, what are the outcomes uh, that they achieved and what did that mean for the teams within Hilton and Disney? Deliver that sort of information or at least snackable chunks of that information in the feed, in the ads, in the organic posts, 
and they could potentially have a lot more of an engaged audience coming onto their website and wanting more. Yeah, for the marketing team, it might be the analytics side to the platform that was really important. And by Hilton Disney using it, maybe they were able to generate so many more insights about their customers that they wouldn't have been able to have otherwise. From a sustainability point of view, you know, maybe it helps someone hit their KPIs in reducing the amount of waste and paper that's gone into brochures. I mean, these are huge brands. And so if they're helping him reduce that, then someone is winning internally. And highlighting that, if those people are part of the buying committee and then pushing that information in front of people who are like them to show how these people have hit their KPIs, reached their targets, look good in front of their boss, that is a terrific use for paid ads and we'd love to see them do that more. Excellent. And George, let's have a look at the organic content quickly too, just for the benefit of the listeners for the full context. Here listeners, we saw some really good content that shows that they do in fact have that deeper understanding of their target audience as we suspected, um, but it could be good to push some of that more with their advertising as well. Yeah, they have posts in there about content writers and copywriters, and they show that they understand them and their problems, which is great. And I imagine that someone in content within an organization is someone who could be a champion for paper turn because, I mean, putting their content in a uh, digital brochure instead of a physical one, they can see that there's huge benefits there to the business and for that person in that role. So it's great that they show that they understand them. And they also do a pretty good job of social proof and using their company page as a way of demonstrating that social proof without really shoving it in your face. They do something called Flipbook of the Month, which is where they feature one of their clients uh, and they show off their flipbook. And that's an awesome way to one, collaborate on content and two, also show but not tell about the product, which is a really, really powerful way to demonstrate the product, the fact that people are using it, and it's amazing social proof and also shows off the outcome. This is what the end product looks like. Another really good post of theirs, Kev, um, shows proof of their product being used in the wild. And it shows that the paper turn team went to an ice hockey game and they saw that fans were scanning QR codes on their phones while waiting for a hot dog or a beer. Those QR codes were connected to the match day program, which included player bios, recaps, videos, and more. And that's all powered by paper turn. And they had photos of people scanning the QR code. It was really good, real life, in the wild footage showing that this product can work. And I really, really like that, Kev. And these are excellent pieces of content to just throw some paid spend behind and use that. I mean, that's a great starting point for a case study. Start to push that towards your dream customers, that's really going to start to resonate with them because they're going to see, hey, these are real world, real life applications. The people who are using this product look like me. They have the same pain points as me. So they don't need to reinvent the wheel. They don't need to partner up with one of their existing companies and do a really deep case study dive. Although that is something that they probably should do. They don't have to do that. They already have a lot of good stuff there on the organic side they can use to push. Yeah. As one of the main places we've talked about uh, when we come to be seen, you know, it's always good starting point to have a look at your organic posts that are performing the best because they're more likely to have the best chance of working as well when you boost them and then trying to boost those first. And this is a potential good use for that tactic here. Um, so we definitely love to see them do that more. 
We'd also like paper turn to speak more directly to their audience as well and maybe help them in tangential ways to their product. So if copywriters and content writers are their target audience that they wanna reach, they really should exist to serve them. Maybe they should talk about pain points that maybe their product doesn't necessarily solve, um, but it is a problem for their audience, whether that's you know getting paid, whether that's um, how to structure and bring on clients in terms of agreements. Those tangential problems could add a lot of value to their target audience and help build that trust or relationship of trust with those audiences and the paper turn brand. If they can do that, if they can solve those tangential problems and build that trust, then they're really gonna have an audience that are gonna become real champions of their product down the line. That's it, Kev. It comes back to knowing exactly who it is you are here to serve. Who are our champions of our product? Who are the decision makers? How can we make their lives better? That doesn't always have to be directly related to your product. It can be tangentially related or you could be solving a peripheral problem for them. We've seen so many good examples of that. I often refer to Chili Piper as an example of that. They're a lead routing tool that helps you book more calendar appointments. It's great for SDRs. It's also really good for marketers, but they don't talk about how to book more appointments. They talk about demand generation because that inevitably leads to booking more appointments. And that's an issue that's really hot in the marketing world. So they've been able to talk about that, educate people around that. And of course, there's a huge benefit for the business when doing that, because guess what? When those demand gen marketers are looking for a tool like Chili Piper, who do you think they're gonna go to? It's a great point, George. All right, listeners, we'll leave you with one final thought from us when looking at the ads from Paper Turn. We really like to see them make use of those snackable formats in their ads, bring that snackable story into their ads, and make that a bit more punchy and potentially lean on what is a great competitive advantage of their product, which is the visual hooks that they could be using. Paperton's product is inherently visual. They're really showcasing the visual qualities of their product, of their service. And we like to see them lean on that element of their product in their content and ads a little bit more, whether that's making stories a little bit more snackable by using more videos that are more visually appealing and a bit more punchier in terms of like colors or how quickly the video transitions through different frames. Anything to do with more visual hooks, we'd love to see. They have GIFs, they have videos, which is great. And obviously it's a product that lends itself to that, but it would be great to see something more punchy. You know, the videos that they're currently using, it is generally fairly slow moving. There's some text, it's a fairly generic video. And so it's not that attention grabby when you're going through the feed now. Uh, what we would love to see is if they can really change up those formats and start to show us what the product can really do within the feed. But keep in mind listeners that as Paper Turn does this, or if you're trying to do this, to still make sure that the content itself is helpful. As good and punchy as the videos can be or whatever medium you use can be, the main point is you still need to be helpful and be pushing relevant content to your dream customers. That is how you should be using that paid amplification in the B-Scene stage with any format. Great points, Kev. So yeah, advice to paper term would be do your 80-20, look at which segments are doing the best for your business, niche down and focus on maybe one or two. Make sure that marketing and sales are aligned on those and then just go as deep as you can on helping the buying committee within those. And remember, listeners, 
Growth is more like a staircase than a hockey stick. It's like a staircase because you define a segment, you go after it, you get that growth, you start to tap out of that segment, and then you start to flatline a little bit in terms of growth. You define another segment, you go after that, and the staircase just goes up and up and up. It's not that hockey stick that everyone trains you to think that it is. There you go, listeners. All right, George, quick ranking maybe of where Paper Turn sits in with the rest of the businesses and ads that we've been analyzing. Yeah, Kev, they have some basics down here, but I think there is a lot of room for improvement. Again, no knock on the team. We know that there's always so many competing priorities. I just think it would be unfair to give them a really high rating. We've given high ratings to people like Chili Piper, Dream Data, and Monday.com. I'm going to put this one at about a six. Uh, with plenty of potential to improve. Yeah, that is quite fair. And I think I would tend to agree with you, George. Um, But as you said, and as we said a few times this episode, they're early on in their journey, a team of 17. They're doing great things, uh, making great strides towards where they need to be. And uh, they're really showing the first signs that they're starting to hone in. So let's hope that they continue. Listeners, key takeaways from this episode Another analysis episode where we saw that uh, a business really needs to show their deep understanding of their dream customers and Paper Turn have started doing that. But that goes beyond just segmenting out your target audiences. Uh, You do need to deeply understand each of those segments all the way down to understanding each of the specific roles within a buying committee really down to everything that they find are pain points that they are looking for in products and the benefits that your product can provide to those different roles within the buying committee. And in fact, it should go beyond that to tangential problems as well and helping them solve those tangential problems as well in your content, both paid and organic. Very well said, Kevin. Thank you. Listeners, you can find links to everything we've discussed in the show notes as always. And we are so grateful that each week more and more marketers are tuning in every Monday to the B2B Playbook podcast. And if we can ask one thing, marketers, please leave us a short review on whatever platform it is you listen on or pass it on to someone who you think would get value from the show. It's a huge help to us and we'd really appreciate it. Listeners, if you miss our little bants and chats before and during the show, uh, do let us know. Drop into George's DMs on LinkedIn. Uh, drop into his survey again in the comments. Let us know. We're willing to put some more in, more specific feedback on what you'd like to hear there as well. But in the meantime, we'll work on making things a little bit more snappy ourselves and making those hooks at the beginning of the episodes a little better as well. Take care and see you next week. Thank you, George. Thank you, listeners. See you next week. A quick note before you go, listeners. You can find more great content and get in touch with us at theb2bplaybook.com. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and our newsletter while you're there to get the latest news, tips, and resources from our playbook. We'll be back the same day and same time with another episode next week. Thanks for tuning in to the B2B Playbook. Remember, successful B2B marketing starts with the buyer.